Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Tobit's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thanks for tuning on in. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing on today's program. And, of course, do it with a heavy heart as the legend Marvelous Marvin Hagler, we learned yesterday, passed away uh, too young at 66 years old. Uh, heartbreaking news in the boxing community uh, yesterday, them doing the uh, the 10 count before Estrada Chocolatito. Um, Michael Buffer doing the uh, the intro, the uh, the 10 count eulogy. Um, and it was, a, it was a hard one to swallow, man. This is a, an absolute titan of the sport. One that uh, kind of precedes my time a little bit as, uh, you know, his fight with Sugar Ray Leonard happened when I was one years old. Um, so his last, his, his career ended as, as I was a, a baby, but, um, you know, you know, the, the legendary fights, him and Hearns, I, I even fired that up yesterday after getting the news as, you know, you, these are just iconic bouts that you are, are thankful that are still there to be, uh, to be cherished. But this is a guy, you know, just took on all comers and was just such a thrilling fighter. Uh, in the in the way that he fought his style unbelievable and then of course just you know after the the way the career ended where he thought he got screwed just you know going away to Italy uh turning down 15 million dollar offers to come back and do it again and uh you know to to get that news yesterday absolutely sucked so um you know definitely we'll be thinking about him I'm sure there are those who could probably eulogize him a lot better, but anytime you can, um, anytime you lose somebody like that, that touches so many people in the sport that meant so much to fans, um, you know, the Tyson before Tyson, the guy who was undisputed middleweight champion of the world uh, for such a long reign, such a thrilling fighter, such a lion heart. And, you know, to get that news yesterday was, uh, was absolutely heartbreaking. So, you know, rest in peace to marvelous Marvin Hagler, to uh, to his to his family and everybody who's hurt by his his and and to the fans and everybody hurt by him leaving us. Um, that was a tough one to hear yesterday for sure. So there's no easy way to transition from over that. We'll get into a little bit of last night with the uh, the UFC before we get into some of the championship boxing that went down yesterday as well. But uh, yesterday you had. Leon Edwards in a big matchup for himself as he was taking on Bilal Muhammad as Leon finds himself in a tough spot as far as, you know, trying to to get his name out there, trying to get people to really 
glam on to him and, and get his respect. And, and, um, you know, I think for a lot of fans right now is known as the guy who got into a scuffle with Jorge Masvidal backstage at a, at a UFC event, more so than a guy who was on an eight fight win streak. And yesterday he's taking on Bilal Muhammad, another, uh, twist because he was supposed to be fighting Hamza Shemaev, who wasn't highly ranked, but was, you know, everybody was looking at Hamza as this guy, this boogeyman, this, um, this, this, this next wave of welterweight. And I think it showed big, big, uh, big stones from Leon to basically say, forget the rankings. You know, I'll take out the guy that everybody thinks is the guy right now, even if it's not, a. Uh, you know, maybe the most political thing to do because, you know, you put in more time than him. You got a longer win streak than him. You got a higher rank. A lot of people wouldn't take that fight. So uh, I I definitely give Leon a lot of credit for being willing to take on Shemaev. And then that fight falls through. He's got to find something. He's main eventing. He's uh, he's got a showcase. So he takes on Bilal Muhammad. Tough as they come. Really, really tough guy. Well-rounded. And... It ends in just the worst way possible for him because in the second round, about 18 seconds, and he had already, I poked him once in the first round, but Leon Edwards almost fish hooked. If you see the still shots, almost fish hooked Bilal Muhammad on this second eye poke. And you could just see immediately Bilal Muhammad is writhing and crying. Like these are the toughest of tough men. You know, the, 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 the fighter for every, you know, Jackal that wants to sit behind a keyboard and say, you know, Aljamain Sterling is acting or this guy is, is not tough. These are crazy people that make them make their living by fighting each other in the cage, in a cage half naked. You know, if you, if you want to get down to it and Bilal Muhammad is audibly crying because of how much this eye poke hurts. So when you immediately start hearing that, you're like, he's not continuing. There's no shot. Doctor comes in. You can see that the eyes are already swelling up. It's really, really bad. Um, you know, he, you could tell by his the 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 wailing coming from. I think not only probably that he was in a lot of pain, but also he probably can't see and probably knows this opportunity that he had to beat the number three guy in the world was just taken away from him. And... It's a tough, it's a lose-lose on both sides for these guys. It's a lose-lose for Bilal because, you know, he did the hard thing of, of stepping up in a tough spot to take on a guy in Leon Edwards that is the number three guy in the world on a huge win streak. If Bilal wins this fight, maybe he's not fighting for the title next, but he is now officially a contender, that he is in that picture People have to take him seriously. People have to give him his respect. And that's a big, big deal. And for Leon, it's a it's a lose because w- what does this do? I mean, I think in the most part, the thing is with Leon is he's got the respect of the champion. You know, speaking with Kamal before, listen, Kamal was going to fight. He, he thought that Leon was more, will, uh, was more deserving of a shot before the Masvidal fight, the first Masvidal fight, than Masvidal was. And I didn't agree with that. I thought that Masvidal definitely deserved the shot more, even if, uh, you know, Kamara thought that he was a bit of a hype train. 
But the problem was those two did fight and it did really good business. And so as a guy in Kamar Usman, you're looking at yourself and you say, oh, I already got a victory over both of these guys. One guy nobody knows. And the other guy, we did a million plus buys on six days notice. Who, who are you going to fight if you're the champion? You're going to fight the guy who does big business. Why are you going to fight Leon Edwards? Um, and so Leon, I thought, really needed something tonight that 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 really just got the fans buzzing and and getting uh behind him and he almost had it i mean he hit Bala muhammad the nasty head kick in the first round um looked like it really really hurt him Bala did uh end up getting his wits about him and you know was able to tie him up a little bit put him up against the cage but he had him in a he had him in a bad spot he had him in a bad spot but he i i thought nobody really you know this guy needed a statement more than anybody because he is in a division right now that uh he is in a division right now that he has a lot of competition as far as name is concerned there's a lot of guys who are deserving uh to 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 get back in there with Kamaro and you know the thing is you have a champion right now who's kind of cleaned out the division and so you need to do something almost like a, a Dustin Poirier did in the lightweight division like you need to do something that says all right, that guy, he's lost the champ before, but look at the way he fights. He's an absolute G. I want to see him fight again. And when you have something like this happen, it's just unfortunate. And I know he's saying afterwards, well, I think I deserve the title, the title shot. I think that it's like, nah, man, you can't just, you can't just show up, have something accidental happen and you get the title shot. You, you, you at least need to get your hand raised. In, in some way, shape, or form, and you don't even have that. You have a no contest um, with a round of work. I would say, if anything, he just needs to get another fight in. Um, he doesn't want to fight Bala Muhammad. I get that. Uh, you don't necessarily want to have to do the thing where, like, well, I was kind of doing him a favor anyway, accepting the fight or, or taking the fight when offered just because I wanted to fight. And now you're in the spot where it's like, all right, well, you need to get another fight. Like, you do need to to get the fans behind you. I don't know what that fight is. It feels like the one, like, look, he has good storylines with both Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. It's just a matter of the willingness of getting those guys in there with Leon. But the thing that he has the advantage of is if he's willing to be more active, if he is willing to be the guy that goes out there and fights somebody, if both of those guys are going to sit on the sidelines, then maybe he does sneak in there and get the title shot a la Gilbert Burns. Uh, maybe go fight Gilbert Burns. You know, Gilbert just uh, just went and, and fought for the title. You go beat a guy like that. You know, maybe that is uh, the, the way that he goes about it. Um, because you, if you look at his resume right now, since the loss to Camaro, you know, Brian Barberina, Vicente Luque, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson by decision, um, beating RDA by decision. You know, just there, there's a lot of guys who are been on their last legs and all that type of stuff. Really needs something that I think just uh, just just makes him stand out, and that's that's where tonight really hurts because this is gonna go by the wayside of oh he. Even if it was incidental, it's just like, oh, it's just, well, all right, then what? What do we do? Um, and right now he's number three. Um, 
Steven Thompson called him out, I think, at one point. I mean, that'd be an interesting one. Wonder Boy Thompson versus Leon Edwards. He needs, to, uh, he really does need something else to do because he just needs, like, if you're going to just give him the title shot, and we can talk about win streaks, and that's great, and all that type of stuff. Um, we've seen guys with long wing streaks before get, get put off. To, Tony Ferguson comes to mind. And I just think that for, for, your the for the sake of the division, you know, he just needs to get that hand raised one more time. It's just been too long. Eight wins in all is great, but now he really doesn't. He still doesn't have an official decision since July of 2019. So we're coming up on two years. That's crazy. So that's a tough one, and you know, it's an unfortunate thing because it was a really fun fight night. You had Ryan Span. He had a crazy takeout win over Misha Shirkinoff. That was a great knockout. Dan Ige, his knockout over Gavin Tucker was a one-shot, one-hitter quitter. That was absolutely crazy. Uh, Davy Grant over Jonathan Martinez. He came back after looking like he was going to lose. The, the, the three knockouts before, it was it was just wild, the, the, the lead-up to this main event. And so for the main event to end the way that it did is just... Uh, is just quite unfortunate for for all parties considered, and um, yeah, I don't think Leon's going to get the uh, the title. I think that he he needs to find somebody in this top five that is willing to fight him, whether that be uh, a Kiesa, whether that be a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, whether that be uh, look. I tell you what, I really wouldn't mind this. I don't think it's going to happen because I think that Jorge already feels like he's got it on the. He's already got the championship fight on the line. Um, but, man, I mean, him and Jorge is a fight that would be great just from the standpoint of you're going to be able to roll that that uh, that backstage footage, the three-piece in the soda interview a, a gazillion times. I feel like it could actually even be a, a pretty big pay-per-view fight, especially if you did it. Uh, I don't know if they're able to do things over in London, but if you were able to maybe bring some of the Brits over here to Miami, I don't know what the rules are. But I, I just feel like those two would make for a hell of a fight. I think I think that the style would make for a hell of a fight. I think the lead up would be incredible. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, does you know if you're Jorge Masvidal, you don't give up a, a chance to be world champion to fight Leon Edwards. But if he finds himself in another scenario where, you know, maybe negotiations hit a snafu. Uh, Leon's a guy, look, I think it's a good style for George. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, uh, I don't think it's one, like it's a, a super dangerous fight. It's not like Leon's got this like unbelievable, uh, unbelievable power. He's very talented. He's got some good tools, but I think George does too. I don't think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that he goes in there, uh, with a deficiency in skills. I really don't. So, you know, this welterweight division is in a bit of a, a murky place right now after because I think that Leon Leon had his opportunity tonight to really make his case. And when you have an ending like that, um, you're not able to do that. The other big thing was everybody was talking about the gloves. Uh, this doesn't happen much. It's it, it really, really sucks that it did happen. Uh, should they fix the gloves? They've talked about a more curved glove. Uh, people kept bringing up the Trevor Whitman model that that's uh, been kind of going around. You guys can go check that out on Twitter if you want to. But he's got apparently some patented glove that uh, 
the UFC wanted to buy from him. Maybe they got to make a move that maybe they do. Um, I know that the, the eye poke thing has been a, a problem for a while. It does seem silly that in the midst of combat, we don't have a, an equipment that can prevent, you know, losing via three stooges. So I would be for it if they could find some way to go, uh, go about it and get it. It's just, uh, you know, they're always reluctant on change too. So really, really fun night of fights as far as crazy night of knockouts, but an unfortunate ending to the way, uh, Leon's, uh, opportunity really got poked away, if you will. So we'll take a quick break. We'll get into a little bit of boxing. David Benavidez making his return last night. Uh, where does he put himself in the 168 division? And we have another big time fight coming down to South Florida. I'll tell you about that coming up next. Welcome back to Owen's Fight Show here on 7 Eye of the Ticket. As we'll get into a little bit of Showtime boxing, you had David Benavidez making his return, the former super middleweight champion of the world. He was taking on Ronald Ellis in the Showtime bubble from Mikasuki Resorts and Gaming. And David Benavidez had a couple of things going for him. We got a chance to talk to him this week. And it was his first fight as a father, which I found interesting because, you know, he's had some pretty wild stuff happen to him. I mean, this is a guy that has lost his title because of a drug test. He has lost his title because of missing weight. So at 24 years old, he's already had a lot of the the patented like riches of boxing. Uh, things go awry for his career. And so, you know, maybe uh, having a kid and, and, and being a dad at this age, you know, maybe – this is something that will uh, settle him down, put him in a, a level of focus and all that type of stuff. Although, I, you know, talking to him this week, I know that that Mikasugi has been a uh, has been a, a house of horrors for boxers. Jojo Diaz has had problems making weight. He had problems. They don't have, I guess, the sauna, the equipment uh, that guys are just used to when it comes to uh, being ready for a fight. You know, we don't see this much in the UFC. Have They're in the Performance Institute. Like, they have the... Um, the top-notch facilities and with these boxers they're basically in a hotel and it's not much they're isolated it's it's a tough situation um so he made weight easily this time around which was great to see and he's in this spot right now that is tough because you know as, as you guys have heard we had Caleb plan on recently and David called him out and, and tried to make that fight happen and, and Caleb plants like no 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 bro I tried calling you out when you were the champ and you wanted none of it and uh and and we tried to do a unified match and you didn't want to do it and then you know he he lost his opportunities by being a knucklehead and 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 having all this dumb stuff happen and so i think david is in a tough spot at 24 years old because you have the wrench of canelo alvarez that's thrown into this division which means that everybody who has a piece of the championship billy joe saunders who's going to be fighting canelo Caleb plant who wants to fight Canelo, uh, they're all going to be sitting there basically waiting for Willy Wonka to ring up and let them know uh, where their golden ticket admits them to. And so I just, you know, if you're David Benavidez right now, all you can do is, I think, show that you're an absolute top-notch professional, that you're a fun fighter that people want to watch, that you put on great performances, and that you'll have people clamoring to watch you fight, whether that be a Canelo, whether that be a Caleb Plant, whether that be a Charlo. I really do believe him in, in his uh, desire to get all these fights to happen. Who knows what the politics are left and right on uh, on why they didn't happen, but I do think that 
it's uh when when you have stuff taken away so easily then i think all of a sudden you might be in a different spot as far as your willingness to to make them happen um as far as performance last night against ronald ellis it was a really, really solid performance from David. I mean, I think that you, you saw everything that you wanted to see from an offensive standpoint. You saw the, the the blistering hand speed, the ability to unload combinations. Really, the story kind of turned because it was like, you know, he looked sensational from about round two on. And the story then really started turning into like, well, how much of a, uh, how much more punishment is Ronald Ellis going to take? And at one point in the ninth round, his corner was saying, hey, you got, we'll give you one more round. We'll let you continue on here. And, you know, they let him go on for a couple of more. When it got really bad in, like, the 11th round, he was taking some absolute brutal headshots. But it was one of those scenarios, you know, you think to, to some of the fighters who have gone through 12 rounds of hell of just taking headshots, and they weren't you know, sometimes that stuff is worse than, than a guy just getting flatlined because they are so tough. And Ron Ellis was tough. He was firing back. Like when his corner said that it was almost, it was almost in this part where it's like, wow, that gave him such a fire that he almost is going to get two more rounds of, of getting absolutely pummeled because he didn't win the rounds, but he was so willing to stand in the pocket and trade. Um, even though he just didn't have anything that Benavides could respect as far as getting actually hurt. So you, you admire his guts, but it did become a little bit of a, a watch on how much head trauma he was going to take as that fight went on, you know, and I'm not always, you know, I'm not always the most squeamish when it comes to this stuff. I kind of get the sport. And I think you do have to respect a guy who isn't, um, you know, getting annihilated. But then you think about like, man, this guy, you know, he, he's got, you know, maybe he's got some promise. You definitely can see that this guy is a gutsy fighter, never went down. And, you know, the referee ended up stopping it. I, I was screaming probably in the 11th round, come on, stop it, stop it, stop it. We get the point. But uh, eventually he did it. He, he eventually pulled the trigger. Now, I don't know, you know, what this does for Benavidez's championship case. Um you know, they mentioned this on the broadcast that he needed a, you know, a quote unquote viral moment. I don't know. I think he probably just needs to put together probably, uh, you know, most likely a solid year of just uh, the most thrilling fights, the most entertaining fights that he could get. If he could lure a Charlo up, um, I think that'd be huge. Um, I don't think that he can cut down to 160. I think that seems a little bit bold, uh, even though he was very much on weight. He looks big. He looks like he's the body looks like it could definitely fill out a lot more. Like it, it, it looks like almost like a very unnatural 168. So I don't know. I don't even know how long he is for this division, quite frankly. Um, look, he's a fun fighter to watch. That hand speed, that uh, that ability to throw punches and bunches, and it is uh, and 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 he has an ability to really dish out some hard shots too. It's not just pitter patter stuff. Um, and I, I will say this, I think the one thing, you know, against the, the little rivalry that he has with Caleb Plant, you know, Caleb's last fight against Caleb Truax, I think that kind of rested on his laurels a little bit, you know, probably could have gone out there and, and, and risked a little bit more. And he kind of just coasted in, in, in a way. And I think with David, David was looking to put the nail in the coffin. So there's that, but he doesn't have the title right now. So, uh, from his standpoint, he's a little bit behind the eight ball on that. 
A uh, couple other things. Let's get some news and notes from the week. Now, speaking of the middleweight division a little bit, Demetrius Andrade, who's maybe the most avoided guy in boxing, um, he had his next fight announced. He is going to be fighting April 17th. He is going to be fighting Liam Williams at the Hollywood Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. And that is going to be on April 17th on zone. Interesting note about this. This is going to be going head-to-head against Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, which is a very tough thing for Demetrius because the last time that Demetrius Andrade actually fought, he was the main event to Jake Paul. Jake Paul and Eason Gibb was uh, in Miami, Super Bowl Super Bowl uh, week a year back before the pandemic hit. And that was, uh, man, who the hell did he beat that night? It was Luke Keeler. And he put him down in the first round, and you thought that he was going to uh, to have pretty easy work, but he ended up taking about nine rounds. But he hasn't fought since then, um, you know. So it's it's going to be, you know, about eighteen months since he then next steps into the ring. And you know, look, Andre's another one of those guys where he's in this tough spot of nobody wants to fight him. He seems to always find himself in the least publicized position. I don't know the. Uh, I don't know the, th- the the how smart it is to have him fight this particular week because all the headlines are going to be about Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Hell, you saw this week with uh, with Dana White, and Dana White got duped into uh, – he was on Mike Tyson's podcast, and he said that he would bet a million dollars against Jake Paul, which, look, I know Dana White doesn't like the Paul brothers and he's got million dollars to bleep away. He's got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So Dana White, do whatever the hell you want. But the thing that I marvel with, with, with Jake Paul and all this stuff, you know, cause we've the Jake Paul thing has been fascinating because I even asked on the show, I was like, Hey, what do you, do you guys want me to cover this? And it's kind of inevitable because everybody bites on this. Like everybody, everybody bites on Jake Paul and all the stuff because they just want to see him lose so that and Dana White is putting his trust in a guy who is arguably the worst the worst hands that has ever stepped inside the octagon and so yeah I would like to think hey this guy's been in there with the best competition but Jake Paul is out there he's training with you know legit fighters he is he's he is out there sparring he is out there with a with a good trainer um he is young, which, uh, you know, you feel like gives him the ability to get better against guys who are not boxers. You know, this is the other thing that keeps getting lost in all this is if, you know, if he was in there and he was fighting, you know, if he was fighting Demetrius Andre, it would, this wouldn't even be a contest. But he keeps he's so savvy in this matchmaking of picking guys who aren't known for their striking who have big names, who have big followings, and it's going to be a thing eventually until he fights maybe somebody like a, a Conor McGregor, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I just marvel at how does – if I was Dana White, I'd be like, you know, it's just simple enough. Ah, I don't think so. I, I don't think that uh, – I don't think that, uh, that, that he could beat Ben Askren. But he has, he's so incensed about it. He's got to bet a million dollars about it, which is so silly because now you're giving all this promotion to Triller and the idea that they're going to be, you know, not only, uh, 
you know, not only are you uh, are you biting into the are you are you eating right out of the palm of Jake Paul, but also you're promoting another uh, another promotional company that's trying to burst onto the scene, which is kind of funny. Anyway, getting back to the Demetrius Andre thing. Uh, look, I, I'm gonna I, I, maybe I'll be there. I'll, I'll you know I'll see if I can get credential for that fight. I'd love to go and uh, and check that out. Um, you know, but I find it interesting that. This guy just can't catch a break when it comes to promotion, man. Like, why would they do that? What's like, what's happening the next week? Am I missing? I, I don't have the boxing calendar in front of me. I would like to know, like, what are, what are the fights happening in the in the weeks before and the weeks behind that would make them not want to make this fight happen? The next week, you have Heather Hardy is fighting on a Tampa card on ESPN. The zone is a card the week before in the UK, Rachel Bell versus Shanna Courtney. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Why don't they just have it the next week or the week after? It seems silly to have it the same week. I don't understand what decisions go into this. I would love to, uh, to know what the thinking is with, uh, with Eddie Hearn and that stuff. But either way, it's cool to have boxing. Boxing keeps coming down here, and the, and and Matchroom does have a good relationship with. The Hard Rock, obviously, they put on an awesome show at Hard Rock Stadium. I had an amazing time there, and he's had Triple G here, and Gabriel's out of Dan Jacobs was down here. I, I feel like I'm missing one more big one that was down here as well, but now he's bringing Demetrius Andrade, who trains in Del Rey, so that's cool. He'll get to uh, basically be in his backyard again. Uh, his last two fights have been in the uh, – <laughs> his last two fights have been in South Florida, and they're both getting overshadowed by Jake Paul, which is uh, funny. When we come back – uh, some weird stuff happening with Tyson Fury as far as his title fight with Anthony Joshua is concerned. So we'll get into a little bit of that and uh, some other news and notes from the week as well. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. So last night you also had the Super Flyweight Championship of the World. That was the DAZN main event last night. Chocolatito Roman Gonzalez. He was taking on Juan Francisco Estrada. A rematch that uh, was years in the making. These guys took on one another back in 2012 where he won via unanimous decision to retain his life flyaway belt. Nod goes this time. Juan Francisco Estrada gets his uh, gets the decision. The scorecards 115-113 apiece. They each got one and then one judge had it 117-111 for Juan Francisco Estrada. I got to say for that standpoint, I, I don't know what they were seeing from 117-111. Um, I think you're high as a kite to have a card like that. If you if you if you could argue it was going to be lopsided. Now, in fairness, I I scored the card for for Chocolatito out of one fifteen one thirteen his side. Um, it definitely even felt like there were some that I was even leaning Estrada on some tie break rounds. Like I did, I, I was feeling like Chocolatito had the fight, not in the bag, but I felt like he was in control, especially once we got to like round nine. I felt like it was pretty clearly his fight. So, I don't know. That's a tough one for Chocolatito because you talk about a guy who is going to be 34 years old, is, um, you know, has, has kind of already been to the top of the sport. I felt like he looked as good as ever tonight. That fight was thrilling. Yeah, well, over 2,000, 2000 punches thrown in that fight. Um, I just thought that Estrada, he just looked like he was missing a lot. Now, it was in Texas. I don't know if the crowd, whatever crowd was there, was swayed. Um, 
for Estrada, so maybe the judges, just because a lot of stuff was getting thrown. Look, sometimes you're in those cars. It's tough for a live crowd when those guys are in the pocket like that to see what's landing. And you're seeing Chocolatito, uh, you know, kind of slip some stuff, catch a lot of stuff with his gloves. He uh, he landed more. It was 391 out of uh, 1,317 to 314 for Estrada, and he had over 1,200. So you had Chocolatito throw more, land more, more accurate. Um, yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. I think that uh, I think that uh, Chocolatito deserved the nod on that one. And it's it, you know when you've been to the to the mountaintop like he has, you you know you never know when you're going to get get back there and have a performance like this. So you outland the guy. You're busier than him. You're more accurate than him, and you think in fights like this where the margins are so slim uh, that you're probably doing enough. And I know it's not like that. It's a 10-point must system. It's scored uh, round by round, but I just felt like even in the rounds, I felt like Chocolatito, they were razor thin, but I felt like he was doing the better things. I felt like he was making Estrada miss slightly in the pocket. This was just such masterful boxing uh, seen by both of these guys. And I just thought that Estrada just wore the shots that he got hit a little bit worse. Like, I felt like his reactions, he was, you know, if he got hit with a big shot, it was turn and effective. And I felt like Chocolatito was just like anything he kind of hit him with, he kind of brushed off. He was catching a lot of stuff with his gloves. He was slipping. Um, yeah, I don't agree with that decision. I know it's tough because you don't want to, you don't want a fight that, that was that, that good um, be swung by a decision you think got wrong. But like, when you see a, a card and you're saying that you think that Chocolatito only won three rounds out of out of 12 out of that, I just don't know what you're watching there. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Frustrating. Frustrating for, for sure on what, what should have just been a beautiful night of fighting, but uh, really was a, a very, very entertaining bout. And that is... Uh, most of all, the most uh, the 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 biggest thing I took out of last night. I just feel bad for uh, Roman Gonzalez. I thought that he should have gotten the nod. Um, let's get into some other stuff. So, speaking of guys who are way bigger than these two, but not much bigger in the scheme of things, and that is the lightweight division. Now, I, I had a couple of things, a couple of bones to pick actually with the lightweight division uh, earlier on because this week, I'm trying to think of what the news was. That, that really set me off. I think it was like Devin Haney's. Oh, I think it was news that like Devin Haney was going to fight. Um, was it Jorge Linares? I think it was Jorge Linares. And, you know, I shouldn't be surprised with boxing um, that it always will boxing your ass. Like it'll always get to the point where it does what it does, which is. You, you talk a lot, you, you say you're going to fight, and then the fights never happen. Like, I shouldn't be surprised, but I really did feel like, to a level, this uh, lightweight division was going to go into this new direction of Gervonta, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Tiafima Lopez, and even I'll throw George Cambosas in there because he is young and, and he is undefeated, and I think he deserves to be in there. He's just not as known because, uh, you know, most of his work is is still been under the radar but you know mostly everybody vies with those four guys and when i saw that he's fighting uh when when devin hayes gonna maybe fight Jorge linares uh 
I'm just like, oh, man, what are we doing? You know, we 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 uh we sit here and we praise these guys up and down and we think that they're going to fight and we think it's going to happen. It just doesn't happen. And uh, that really bummed me out. Now, I will say, Tiafima Lopez, George Cambosis, I think is a good fight. I think it's a fun fight. I think that George is going to have an opportunity to really shine on the stage. Nobody knows him yet. I think you guys will. I think it's cool. Um, it looks like this fight's going to be down here. Like, that was the big rumor this week, that this fight is going to be in Miami. I'm trying to find out where, um, but the word is it's going to be down here in Miami. Look, there's not a ton of options. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I'm thinking it's got to, it's, you know, we're talking American Airlines Arena. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be at Hard Rock Stadium, although, Tiafima Lopez was saying that he said uh, that he heard Oscar De La Hoya was going to be in the co-main event. And if Oscar De La Hoya was going to be in the co-main event, uh, first of all, I find it crazy. I feel like if Oscar De La Hoya is on the card and his comeback's on the card, I feel like that's the main event. Um, But if Oscar De La Hoya was going to come back, you absolutely could have that at Hard Rock Stadium if you wanted to. You could do it at the Hollywood Hard Rock. I don't know what their protocols are yet on how they want to let people in for an event like that. I know people are at the casino. I know that they're doing all the great stuff over there to make that happen. And then I don't really know what other option. What is the Watsko Center? I guess you could go to somewhere down the fairgrounds. I mean, there's been fights there. I, I mean, I can't imagine that Triller, who's putting $6 million into this fight, uh, I can't imagine they're going to have it at a venue like that. So the word is, this was, you know, Tiafima Lopez let it leak. He says that it's looking like Miami, which is cool. Uh, he said, and this was on, uh, he was on the Akaba Rock show on, on Sirius XM. And he says, it's likely happening May 29th in Miami. He says he's heard some talk about a Logan Paul versus 50 cent fight, which is weird because I thought Logan Paul was fighting Floyd Mayweather. Um, I was going to be the main event, which I still am. And the co-main was going to be Oscar de la Hoya, but apparently Oscar wasn't training. That was some of the stuff that he was throwing out there. But first of all, a couple of things. One, I, I respect the fact that Triller is coming out with a bang. Like they are trying to do some wacky stuff to get people's attention on boxing. Not necessarily the purest boxing in every event, but this is, look, this is a legit lightweight championship bout between two undefeated fighters, uh, two young fighters. I think a really pleasing style. Um, and they spent a lot of money on it. So you know, hearing that they would put, uh, you know, try and pull out the, all the stops to get the exposure on these guys and being a serious boxing entity, uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. But Tiafimo said some cool stuff. He said, mark my words when I fight George Cambosis on pay-per-view, uh, we're going to get those number up uh, to like 2 million buys. I guarantee you. That's really cool. I don't see that being a thing. Um, I think they should be they should be happy if they could get to like, 600,000. I mean, 2 million is a lot, dude. Um, but whatever. Good for Tiafima Lopez. He's uh he's he's thinking a big game. He's still very very young and has some big big plans. So, that's cool, man. We got a lot of big stuff coming down here. I, I believe uh I think at one point he referred to Miami as the new boxing mecca. I like being a mecca. You know, they always uh, they 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 leave the mecca for New York for basketball, which is stupid because you know, they haven't done anything good in basketball in decades. So, you know, I think uh, I, it's been said. I've been liking the, the way the worm is turning as far as how people think of this city as a destination for boxers. Everybody trains down here. It's been good to see. Um, 
that since we have been more open and a little bit more willy-nilly with the rules during the pandemic than other places that we have gotten to see some pretty cool events. We're talking Canelo Alvarez. We're talking middleweight championships of the world. We're talking uh, now the uh, the undisputed lightweight champion is coming down here with the unified. I mean, you can dispute it all you want. Tiafimo Lopez is the guy. Uh, is coming down to defend his belt uh, reportedly. So that's all cool, man. You know, uh, I'll try and get some more details about it when I can get it. Um, but that was the, uh, the, the big thing this week is it seems like it is swinging down here to Miami. The other big thing is, okay. So there was some news this week. People are concerned about Tyson Fury and where things stand with his fight with Anthony Joshua. Now we had Eddie Hearn on, I guess it would be like five weeks ago, you know, to promote the Canelo fight. And we did ask him and he made it seem like a formality at that point that the fight was going to be announced. Like they were getting ready to announce it. And then, you know, a lot of the same thing. I caught a couple of interviews with him this week on YouTube, promoting the Chocolatito and, and Juan Francisco Estrada fight. Same thing. Formality signatures, all going to be uh, announced soon. But Tyson Fury had a couple of, a couple of weird things this week that he announced. He said one that he's willing, that he just wants to fight. He's willing to, uh, he was willing to go fight wilder cause he's tired of being uh, jerked around with this whole Anthony Joshua thing. And then the other thing that he came out is that he said that he's not training anymore. Uh, that apparently during a, an ESPN plus telecast that, uh, he's not training. I'm not training anymore. I'm not training anymore. I've never stopped training since December 2017. Even after those world title fights, I train the next day. I'd go running for 10 miles. I'm in the gym, sparring, messing around. I'm taking some time away from the game at this moment because I've been ready to fight since I beat Deontay Wilder and I've had no success at getting another fight. At the moment, I'm just concentrating on getting me 10 pints of Stella. Um, I think the thing that's interesting about this is you know, with Tyson getting to this point, it's it, it, it eerily reminds me a lot of Connor and what Connor was going through with the UFC, where this is a guy who wanted to be active. He's a guy that likes to stay sharp. You know, he had the fights against uh, Daniel uh, with against uh, Vice, and he had the. Uh, who was uh, the Schwartz? He took on the Schwartz, beat him, and uh, you know he he is a he's a guy that likes to be an active champion. We're seeing this; these guys want to be active. Canelo Alvarez wants to be active, even if he's fighting just somebody, just to get the uh, just to get the walks. These guys have been inactive for a long, long time, and you see this stuff. First of all, there's a couple of things that are interesting with this: his relationship is with Top Rank. Top Rank is having a rough go of it right now with a lot of their top fighters. Uh, in regards to Terrence Crawford, we just mentioned Tiafima Lopez. Uh, the breakup that they've had with him has been ugly. Now Tyson Fury's upset uh, that he hasn't gotten a fight. You know, Bob Arum's old as hell. And who knows? I mean, maybe there's some there's some issues that are going on there. I don't know. But for a fight that seems like it's a formality, and now you're saying that the A side of that, and I do consider Tyson Fury that for this fight, is you know, basically ready to walk away from it all. And he's a guy who has walked away from the sport beforehand saying stuff like this. I think it's a little concerning. I think it's a, I think it's a little concerning. Um, I, I don't think he's going down 
you know, the road of, of the demons that he was having beforehand. Um, but, but, um, you know, he's a guy that's been pissed off about the politics of boxing before. So it's something to keep an eye on. Coming up next week, we got uh, some UFC. Actually, got Derek Bruns and Kevin Holland. I'm excited for that one. Um, Kevin Holland is has been on a bit of a roll. He's another guy that's really taken advantage of the UFC needing a lot of fights in the pandemic. He's riding right now a five fight win streak. He has won. He won five fights in 2020. He was an absolute monster. After uh, losing to Brendan Allen at the end of 2019, he beat Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley with the uh, who when Joaquin had the uh, b- before Joaquin had the craziest knockout you ever seen. Darren Stewart um, just beat Jacare, you know, uh, and tied the UFC record for most wins in a year. So Kevin Holland's riding high right now. I think with his middleweight division, uh, it, look, it's a, first of all, it's a bit up in the air right now because you have uh, Izzy who's coming back after his loss to Jan. Kevin Hahn was talking some trash to Stylebender. So, look, Stylebender's not one that hasn't uh, hasn't been uh, you know can pull some stuff out of the out of the hat as far as some matchups are concerned. And look, it beats a, a guy at Derek Brunson who is a, a a guy who is firmly in the top ten there. He's moving on up, man. So I think that that's uh, that's a fun matchup to check out next week. Uh, Gregor Gillespie who's coming back tied to Ivas is on the card next week. So some uh, some fun action as far as the UFC is concerned, coming up next week as well. So keep an eye on that. That's our show for this week, everybody. Hope everybody has a great rest of your Sunday. Miss the show, download the podcast. You could do so on the radio.com app or, of course, on Apple Podcasts as well. Look us up there, and we will talk to you next time.